friends. We're your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One with Friends podcast. We just want to thank you for listening in and joining on the dialogue and conversation as it relates to the show Friends. And we have back with us our friend, Nicole. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) We're excited that you're joining in on this episode with us again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited for the topic. This was a fun one. So I'll just go right into the episode recap. Ross and Monica get a call that their grandmother is sick and rush to her bedside. After she passes, the family begins to say their goodbyes. However, their grandmother momentarily returns to life before dying again. One of Chandler's friends tries to fix him up on a date with a colleague, and Chandler discovers that a lot of people think he's gay when they first meet him, and he tries to find out why. The gang goes to Ross and Monica's Nana's funeral, where Monica confronts her mother about her critical attitude. Ross falls into an open grave and hurts his back, resulting in him getting a bit loopy on muscle relaxers. Such a good episode. (laughs) There's a lot happening. There's a lot happening in this episode. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to talk about (laughs) is just this quality that Chandler has, apparently, that makes him gay. Apparently. So we don't really, I don't think we ever find out in the episode why people think he's gay. They just all say, you have a quality. Right. Like an external quality that they would see in the show. I don't know. Like, would any of you first episode think Chandler's gay? No. 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 Me either. No. I don't see it. No. However, as we meet Ross more and more, some of his mannerisms. For sure. I think if they redid the show right now, like took the same show and moved it, besides a whole lot of other things that would change, the one thing that I think would be drastically different is Ross would be gay. It would just make sense, I guess, because... Because some of his mannerisms, yeah, the way that he dresses, yes, and operates like his physical features, like the way that he even moves, and this might be like hot topic button that we're not even trying to get into, but just the when they're talking about a a certain element or characterism or an ism that makes someone think that someone else is gay, and they're talking in the episode about. How even gay guys know he's not gay right. because he doesn't have this quality. Yeah. That's where we're coming from when we're talking about this. Yeah. I would think that Ross would be typecast as like, no, you're gay, aren't you? You would think so. Yeah. But it's definitely a funny talking point. Like no one would assume Joey was gay. Right. Because I guess the quality like Joey doesn't have. Maybe right. it is because he is a womanizer and Chandler, I guess we haven't seen quite yet that he is or would be or anything. But. Right. Yeah, because even he handles Jill Goodacre in the last episode with not a womanizer. He's just like genuinely nervous because she's a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a sweater vest. <laughs> I hate sweater vests. Just like I hate turtlenecks, I guess. <laughs> like if, if, These guys can't win. If Chandler Dang was on 90s. what not to wear, like, <laughs> what would actually happen? <laughs> Maybe Clint and Kelly would like him because of um, the quality. Who the knows? quality. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so if I'm going to be honest, I think Chandler is the funniest one for this to have happened to simply because of the way that he like addresses it with his coworker 
Like, so we go to the mm. next scene where he's talking with his coworker and he's like, just wh- like, what is it and why? And then she brings up the guys, yes. Lowell <laughs> and Brian. Yes. And okay, first off, Lo- Lowell? Lowell? What? Lowell. What kind of name is Lowell. that? Lowell. It's like a horrible name. <laughs> Poor guy. It's one syllable, Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> the finance guy, like... Like, the name suits yeah, his profession. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You're a boring finance guy. Your name's Lowell. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over that. <laughs> What's the worst name of a guy that you've dated or, like, considered dating? Is there one that you guys consider your worst? I don't think so. I mean, all of mine were, like, pretty standard names. Okay, mine too. Mine are pretty standard. I guess, like, Jeff. I don't know. There's just something about it. Redheaded Jeff, I just can't get on board with. I don't know what I was thinking. I was young. No offense to the redheads. Name Jeff. Just this one. This is hilarious. <laughs> Redheaded Jeff. Mine are all standard names. Yeah, same. Matt, Brian, Nick, Trevor. No. Did I have a Trevor? I don't remember. It's okay. You said Brian. Which conveniently is a name that Chandler brings up. Yes, I could get a Brian. Uh, that whole so- scene just cracked me up because he's talking about, I could get a Brian. And he's talking to the actual gay guy, Lowell. Yeah, yeah. But then Brian walks in as he's mumbling about Brian. And then he turns out, hey, Brian, and walks out. <laughs> It's the perfect moment because he doesn't give him any sort of apology or explanation. He just turns around mid-sentence and sees him and says, I could get a Brian. And keeps walking. (laughs) No hesitation. Hey, Brian. Nothing. It's so perfect. (laughs) It was the perfect setup for for that funny moment. They did get there. Okay. So... The other big talking point in this episode yeah. was Nana. Right. Ross and Monica's Nana, which <laughs> conveniently died twice. Like She had to be that dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of totally fits their family. Which when you think of the Gellers, yes. Yes. Drama. Very, very much so. So, Leanne, you talked about Monica and Ross's relationship. Yeah. In this episode. And I I could I could see that. So talk about you mentioned they just have a good relationship. What do you talk about that? Yeah. So in previous episodes, we've seen that Ross and Monica kind of have this, like, you're better than me, so then my parents hate me. Monica's always, like, the butt of her, like, mom and dad's, like, criticisms. And Ross is the angel child that right. they crowned prince at some point before Monica was born. So, but in the hospital we see a different side of like their loving relationship because in past episodes, it's always been a point of contention that they've Monica has been like, Ross, tell him and Ross won't because he wants to remain the good child or whatever. So I think this is the first time that you see them having a loving relationship where he still kind of jokes around, but gives her like this really sweet hug. And you see that they are in it together, Yeah, that they're not just friends because of the, the season and the in the show that they kind of force them to be in the same friends group together, but they really do love each other and care about each other and have this funny relationship, but they do it in such a way that's loving. And I just thought it was a nice, sweet moment when he gives her a hug and it's really endearing. Yeah. No, I, I one thing I love about the show is that they don't really 
Like, you know that they're brother and sister, but they do a really good job of, like, making them friends. Like, yeah, I mean, you see that in relationships nowadays, but I feel like for most people, it's like, oh, that's your sister. Or that's your brother. But with them, it's like, sometimes I forget that they're brother and sister because they're such good friends. Right. Which I think is great with the show. And I think in a larger group of friends, you can get lost in the idea a little bit more that there's a bigger difference like, there's an age gap somewhere in there. Right. But they make it seem like they're all in that same age group, so they're close. Yeah. So I don't actually know how far apart they are in years, and I don't know if the season ever addresses it specifically. I really think they do. But they do a great job at making them cohesively For friend sure. unit. Yeah. I know it's good. And it's not Monica's older brother coming in at different times, or it's not Monica butting into his friend group. They're all friends together. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so one of the things that, Leanne, you and I both wrote down... We both ask, have you ever thought about your death? I don't know what that says about us, but... (laughs) Wow, morbid. (laughs) Okay, well, you went on to say, like, who gets what, like, etc. Like, would you be cremated, buried, what? I don't know. It's like a... I don't want to say interesting topic, but it is one of those when there's funerals around, you're like, well, what what do you want to do? Yeah. I don't have any money to give to anybody, so... (laughs) (laughs) Here's my dog. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a serious point. My sister would definitely get my dog. That makes sense. I know who would get my horse. Who? Well, if my mom and dad wouldn't, I would give it to my friend, Casey, for sure. Okay. You should tell Casey to listen to the show. Hi, Casey. <laughs> get ready, Banjo. Get ready. Yours. <laughs> Hopefully not. Anything happened. This is my will. <laughs> what about you, Llewellyn? Well, I currently don't have anything to give anybody, yeah, so... Same. But, I mean, if I gave it to anybody... What about your MacBook would... computer? My MacBook? I'll take it. <laughs> I'm pointing they to myself. They are both myself. pointing at each other, <laughs> themselves. Um, I don't know. I'd probably give it to one of my brothers, to be honest. Who would take over this podcast? You. <laughs> Unless we both conveniently went down at the same time. <laughs> uh, Nicole, do you want to take it? Uh, sure. <laughs> Perfect. It's now the Nicole and Jane show. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> Or two uh-huh. other friends who are disconnected that come together to take over these sh- take over the show. Yeah, I noticed during the whole death scene that Joey was talking about being worm food, <laughs> and only <laughs> Joey would be the one to say that. Honestly, it's not. Oh, like poor Nana. Yeah, lady. Now you're worm food. So good luck in the afterlife. I don't know. It just is. <laughs> like, yeah, it is Joey. very Joey. It's very Joey. It's just like. Sure. It's a hard conversation when someone does pass away. Like, yeah, what happens? Like, are you worm food? You know. Right. It is so matter of fact. Totally. You're worm food. <laughs> like, too blunt, Joey. Too blunt. <laughs> too soon. Yes, too soon, buddy. <laughs> okay, so in one of the scenes, um, Ross is in the midst of her closet trying to just find an outfit or whatever for her to wear for the funeral. So he pulls out this box, and then it just starts raining sweet and lows on him. And he has this sweet moment because he had mentioned that he remembered Nana because of her sweet and lows. Because she would steal them yes. from everywhere she went. Yes. So we see this, and what – I don't know. I thought of just the cramped closet. Does anybody have a relative or a grandma or somebody that just has something – it's almost like they hoard everything, everything, and it goes in this one place. Everything. Oh. My great aunt did, mm. for sure. A closet or somewhere Her else? house. Oh. <laughs> but it was, like, cute, but you could tell. You're like, oh, surely. Everything's cluttered. 
Her name's Shirley. Her name is Shirley. That's so perfect. <laughs> such a great. It's yes. such a, a, an old person's name. <laughs> Margaret Shirley. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry to all the Margarets out there who are millennials. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I always say that grandmas and like the older generation, they're just trinket people. They are. They really are. Find one person over the age of 50 who is like a minimalist. I'm True. sure there is. I mean, in this wide world, there are probably a few, but they do not exist in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because yeah. they're just all over the house. I think of what a garage sale would look like if you were ready, like an estate sale. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma is officially moved into a home. At some point soon, we're going to sell her house and I'm looking around. There's just so much stuff. Yeah. That's my issue with the at-home store. It's just trinkets mm-hmm. everywhere. Trinkets. There's rows of trinkets. But I love them. You love looking. I do love looking at yeah. them, but I have to specifically remind myself, am I going to want this in five years? Totally. But you very much are a minimalist. I'm so much. Get yes. rid of everything. Yeah. I've purged almost my entire like life. So she said in a couple episodes ago that she wanted to, that she purged her room. Yeah. And she just said the other day that she wants to purge her room again. Yeah. I'm very much like it's a- It's not been very long, guys. It has not. Can you I, purge my room? Oh, I, I'm the best when it comes to objectively coming into someone's room and like getting rid of stuff and making people and not doing it in a forceful way, but I make people want to get rid of it. You're like that. Um, I'm great. What's Marie Kondo? Marie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make you like pray to your clothes or whatever she does, but yeah, pretty much. That's hilarious. Thank it. You're like, what? <laughs> I've done it with one of my best girlfriends several times now where I'll iron things down and, like, get it to where she's having to decide between different outfits and, like, making her think through how long has it been since you've worn this? How, you know, have you used it recently? Are you going to use it soon? Are you actually going to lose the weight to fit in those jeans? If the answer is no and it has been for the last five years, get rid of the jeans and buy something you can wear. Right. I just don't think it's worth the space. Yeah. Totally. I'm perfect at it. Invite me over and I'll do I it. I will. Cool. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> you I heard like, it here. Okay, here's the thing though. I think it's because there's like a certain power that I feel from like making people make good decisions for their lives. And I'm like, yes, I feel powerful. Maybe you should start a podcast. No. Okay. I already did with you. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to get me out already. <laughs> Nicole, take over. I'm out. Has anyone else like stolen like a condiment or <laughs> hoarded any condiments or something from restaurants? I haven't. Okay, I haven't hoarded <laughs> them. <laughs> Put them in your. But ceiling. when I was in high school, probably so years ago, um, my friend and I would take the orange marmalade <laughs> jam jelly oh, things yes. from restaurants. <laughs> But we quickly learned our lesson after we left them in my car for oh. about two months oh. in, in the summer. summer. <laughs> oh, and no. I had, back then, I think I had, like, an old Bonneville that had, like, the full front seat with, like, the yes. like drink thing that came down. So you could, like, flip it up and a third person could sit oh, next no. to you. They were under that. Oh, no. And they exploded. <gasps> what? So my car was very... Oh, smelled. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. I bet you never so did So then I stopped that. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a boyfriend wow. once where we... Oh, this is going to be so... This is this is like Bonnie and Clyde over here. Here we go, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> where we, every date we went Bonnie on... No, keep going. I'm just Every restaurant <laughs> we went to, we would take a piece of silverware of some, some sort. What? 
or dish or that's nothing. like straight up so Thief we would take like we i think we had i think we had like a full Thiefdom? Is it Thiefdom? i don't know we almost had a full set from what every place that we had gone not wow. like we didn't take like everything we took like oh this restaurant we're gonna take a spoon the next restaurant we're gonna take a napkin conveniently we took an olive garden napkin that had Ooh. fallen in the parking lot so okay. someone else had already tried to take it that's true we just picked it up so but we didn't get very far i think we only had a few items and then we broke up and it was like who took them done. <laughs> i think i threw them all away it's like you. i don't yeah, need yeah. all this stuff it's like a burn box but yeah. you know yeah. because you, you can't really burn it with just a normal <laughs> indoor fire true that's solid what about other things that you've have you ever been a collector of something so maybe you haven't stolen but you've been a collector and it's like you know i've um collected bouncy balls when i was younger okay i did bouncy balls like the little race cars i was kind of a tomboy when i was younger Mm -hmm. um horses now not now but (laughs) collector of horses she owns one horse (laughs) Like the plastic ones. Okay. They're like collector's items, so I'm not like the yeah, child, yeah. but yeah. Okay. Mine's cliche. I collect magnets. Yes. Okay. I literally buy magnets. From like shows and stuff. Everywhere I go. Not oh, from shows. places. Places, okay. shows, things. I've got a lot of magnets. I do postcards, so I guess that's kind of cliche too. That's a good one though. That reminds me of travels and things. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't have anything like that. Oh, nope. I lied. I collect, there's a purpose to it, but I collect different renditions or versions of Pride and Prejudice. I buy one book a year and it's always got a different cover or artist or designer or whatever. And I collect those. So I bought yours this year? I have not. Better get on it. And Christmas Mm -hmm. is coming soon, everybody. So just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, I haven't bought mine this year, actually. Um, I have one on my list, though, that I want. It's like a classic one from Barnes and Nobles, but I take off, if you take off the sleeve that comes on it, it's like a cool, like dark green color. So I want that one next, I think. And I write the year like in the, on the cover page. So I know which one's which. And when I did all my travels, I bought one from France in French. I bought one from Israel in Hebrew. So like, I can't technically read all of them, but they're just different versions and they're oh, all on cool. one shelf. Yeah. That's, that's the cool. only thing I collect now. I used to collect rubber duckies, like oh. the little mini ones. They're so cute. Because I wanted to like put shelves in a bathroom and like decorate it all rubber ducky. And then I was like, how long is it going to be until I own my own home where I have a guest bathroom specifically designed as a rubber duck? Like, <laughs> so I got rid of them all. Oh, that's sad. I know. I maybe kept one or two that my best friend had bought me at one point because she was like, you used to collect this, so I've kept hers, but... That was nice of you. I'm sentimental in some ways. Otherwise, I'm get rid of it. Honestly, guys, here's a tip for you. As soon as you start purging once and you get rid of something that's sentimental-ish, it becomes easier every time you do it. Nothing is sacred in my home anymore because I've purged so many times. It becomes easier and easier to get rid of the stuff. That makes sense. So there you go. There you go. Tip. From Leanne. I should have had that just be our tip of the week. You should have, well, but it's not. You guys will get a double dose. Anyways, Anyways. back to friends. Back, back to friends. So, <laughs> back to the funeral where Ross fell in a grave. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Ross Again, that falls in the grave. Ross. Gosh. And he hurts his back. It wasn't just a funny moment. No, he like legitimately fell. And I mean, those those graves are not small. No. They no. are large. Six feet deep. Yeah. So that fall, and right on your back, uh, must have hurt. Yes. 
especially when you're not prepared for it and you can't like brace yourself at all. You're just free falling. Yeah. Free falling. <laughs> the scene where they're all looking into the grave reminds me of Pretty Little Liars a little bit. I was like, oh. <laughs> yes. I yes. was like, this is exactly what happens. Okay. The, alive. the one thing I noticed though, in that every time I watch it is their sunglasses. Well, yeah. What is with that? They're like, they look like the matrix, right? Am I right? Yeah. And they just look weird. I'm going to Google real quick about when when that came out because when did the Matrix come out, guys? I thought it was early 2000s. So I've this never seen it. I've oh, never seen the actually, Matrix. You need to see it. Keanu Reeves. I love Keanu Reeves. Good guy. Okay, while you're looking oh. that up, though, we you also mentioned, and I guess I hadn't realized this, this is the first time that they shoot out of set. Yeah, oh. this is the first scene where it's not inside in a studio. Yeah, that's true. Outside, it's that's an interesting out and, and an external set or whatever. It's one of one of the first. One of the first. One of the few. Honestly. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the first Matrix came out in 1999, five years later, which means that this cast is the original Matrix wearer of these glasses. There you go. Wow. Well done, friends. You've influenced. You've influenced a, a trilogy. Yes, you have. A well-known trilogy. Well-known. Because every time I watch it, all of them are wearing the same circular, black, thin, what are these called? The sides? The sides of the, the glasses? Uh, the sides? Is the it arms? Rims? What are they called? No, it's not rims. rims. I don't know. I think that's a car. it's the frame 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 so thin framed (laughs) two of the three of us are wearing them (laughs) the one who's asking what it is is not wearing glasses but the two people i'm trying to ask do wear glasses so (laughs) the frames are like thin wired so they look like the matrix so well done friends way to go bravo bravo bravi bravi okay so the last kind of talking point of this episode was Monica's mom and how she's very critical of Monica with anything that she does, which we've seen in previous episodes. Right. So we learn in this episode that Nana, who was Monica's mom's mom, was also very critical of her. So we see where she gets it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny, the scene where she's explaining to Monica, like, have you ever had somebody in your (laughs) life that just judges everything you do is always so critical and monica sitting there sipping her wine like i'm gonna kill you i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine it i can imagine i said that monica's mom was savage <laughs> i don't know how else to describe her she's just a rude lady yeah monica's ears aren't even bad I don't know. She just seems like some lady that no one would want to be around. She finds any little detail to nitpick about Monica. She would have hated me. Do you think that's just deflection from her own insecurity because of her mom, though? I think partially, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, if she doesn't feel like she's good enough, what you normally... I would think even today, like, even in normal human relationships, in areas where you don't feel good, you tend to also find that in other people and put it down because you're already so either disappointed in yourself or know the expectations that are laid on you that you're like, well, you do this or your ears are this or your hair looks like this or whatever. Like, no, for sure. Whatever the negative thing is, it's probably because you already feel so bad about yourself that you want to feel better. So you put other people down. Yeah. And I think, um, in this, what this also kind of shows with Monica 
and she also gets it from her mom. Yeah. Only in light of, she's not necessarily critical of other people, but she's very OCD with cleaning. Right. And totally. just very, like, everything has to be perfect. And, like, the ep- a couple episodes ago, and Rachel had cleaned the apartment. Right. And she was just like, you moved the green ottoman. Why did you move the green ottoman? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of see the critical nature in Monica. Yeah. But in a different way. Like in a reactionary way. Yeah. Like now I want to be a people pleaser to my mom. Yeah. So there's this sense of control that I get mm-hmm. and I need to be able to control it because I can't control the things that I'm being criticized about. Right. Like she can't help her ears. She right. was born that way. Yeah. If anything, mother, point the finger at you because you're the one that created her. Like, yeah. But for some reason, she has to have this control then because she needs to be able to control the environment in order to make it pleasing to her mom. Because every time her mom's about to come into town, she goes into like hyper Monica cleaning mode. Right, right. Yeah. So it's more reactionary than deflection like her mom does. Because her mom deflects her own insecurities from her mom onto Monica. Yeah. Whereas Monica doesn't have anyone to do that to because she's not a mom. Right. So she does it as like a reaction to it. So she tries to people please. Yeah. But in a controlling way. So we see this OCD, but her motive behind it is she wants to like impress her mom so that she doesn't get criticized anymore. Yeah. But it's an interesting that we see this element come out in the funeral. Yeah. It was kind of cool to see the mom's slight, very slight progression when they were talking together, basically, like she was talking about how the mom, so Nana was being critical mm-hmm. and still like nitpicking at Monica. But then in the end, I doubt she picked up on it, but maybe hopefully a little and mm-hmm. gave Monica a compliment. I think she did a little because she like kind of covered up her ears. Mm-hmm. And then it was like you almost saw it in her face like, oh, I'm doing it to you. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't really address it. No. But. You could, like, sense that she she kind of understood. Well, I think because when Monica says, do you wish you if you could do it all again, would you tell your mom? Yeah. And you see her think for a minute, and I think she's connecting the dots. She's like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> because I don't think she wants to be told that right. she's like her mom. Yeah. Totally. But I think, in this, I think in this episode, you can see it. And then she goes to do what she's normally done, which is try and put her hair in front of her ears. But then she... Tucks it behind. behind. Yeah. So I think she is in real time discovering I'm just like my mother who was harsh and critical of me. Yeah. And now I have the opportunity. And you're right, Nicole. It's like a slight progression. Very slight. (laughs) Very slight. Because she wants to do it out of habit. And then she's she's like, and that's what it it does when you need to like change a habit or change something. It's like these slight where you have to these like come to yourself moments of like, oh, I'm doing it. I can stop. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, like people can't change. Yeah. They just have to want it for themselves. For sure. Cool. So just the last little thing that we'll point out in this episode was the very end when they're sitting on the iconic couch yeah. in Central Park, just looking at old photos of Nana and her friends and stuff. And they come across mm-hmm. Java Joe's yeah. and the photo of Nana and her group of friends. Yeah. And just how it you know reflects them however many years later yeah. sitting on a couch in their favorite coffee shop. The show does a really good job at, like, pulling in those sweet moments right at the end to kind of, like, wrap up the entire episode. It's kind of like the grabbed a spoon. Grabbed a spoon. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And, like, magic beans. This was, like, you know. uh, Java Joes. Java Joes and the gang. Yeah. It's like, oh, that looks like a fun, or Ross says, that looks like a fun gang. Yeah. And then it pans out and you see all six of them hovered around each other on the couch. And you're like, okay, that's really sweet. Yeah. Cool. Cool. (laughs) 
All right, what were your guys' favorite moment of the show? I really like the sweet and lows thing because you can see how sentimental Ross can be when he's not being goofy and dorky and Ross. <laughs> when he's not being Ross? Yes. <laughs> I think mine actually revolves around Ross too. I I know. <laughs> that was a look you of shock. See the face I just gave her. <laughs> that was a look of pure shock. Um, when they're in the hospital room and he's about to kiss his Nana goodbye, <laughs> yes, the look on his that. face, like he's yeah. processing her death and he looks so sad, like genuinely sad. I think David Schwimmer does a great job in this moment of acting because mm-hmm. he looks genuinely like I'm about to give up my Nana totally. and it's so sad. And then he's the one that gets the shock <laughs> of her like almost punching out in the air that she's still alive. And I just think that's the funniest moment because... I can imagine just how sad and then how, like, scary that would be. Yeah. Like, that's on the equivalent of someone dead, like, coming to life right in your face. You'd just be like, that's what I'm imagining and how scary that would be in real life. And so I just think he plays it so well. It's just such a great moment. Only Ross. (laughs) Only Ross. (laughs) Um, My favorite moment of the show, back to Chandler. Um, was probably, the, I think we already talked about it earlier, the scene where he's talking to Lowell and just trying to figure out, like, what is the quality? And Lowell tells him, like, you don't have a quality. Like, you're nobody's, I don't see that in you. My people don't see that. And then he just continues to talk about Brian. Well, I can get a Brian, I can get a Brian, and Brian walks in. I just, <laughs> it's just, like, the epitome of Chandler's, like, quirky funniness and then how he just continues on with his day. Like, oh, that wasn't awkward at all. Hey, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, that is the perfect setup. Okay, so this time on the I'll be there for you moment, we have Monica's cleaning tip. Revive cloudy glasses. So to do this, you remove buildup film from hard water minerals by soaking stemware in white vinegar for five minutes. Then rinse by hand and dry with a microfiber cloth. And that's it. That's it. Sparkly clean. Got any... Old stemware that needs some good old soaking. <laughs> Grab me a gallon of vinegar. Grab me a gallon. <laughs> let it soak and rinse and dry with a microfiber cloth. Cool. So let us know about that on our social media if you've ever done that before. And if it works, because we would like to know. Because with all those stemless wine glasses out there and ball jar water glasses, we would like to know how to clean those things up because they yeah. do get kind of grimy. They really do. They do. Let us know on social media, which you can find in the show notes. We are on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to feature you on a social media spotlight of the week if you interact with us and give us any kind of feedback to any of our posts, polls, or questions. So we are still on the lookout for Phoebe's onesie from a couple episodes ago. So if you have any info on those, Llewellyn and I would be very happy to hear about that. Yes, we would. And as always, if you would subscribe and download and write a review. Let us know what you think. We'd love to have some interaction with you guys and see what kind of direction we can continue to go on as we grow in the show. All right. So thank you for listening today and we will catch you next time on the one with friends podcast. <laughs>